Are y'all afflicted? Well, bless your heart. I know you think all we do is shoot possums and spit snuff into a bucket all day. You know, but that ain't true. When I'm done with my banjo rehearsals, I'm all about my recovery, especially that 13th step that everybody keeps a secret. If I ain't fixing to make the best sweet tea this side of the Mississippi, I'm either going to a meeting or I'm listening to Dopey. When I think of all the addicts suffering or the ones no longer with us, it makes me madder than a wet hen. And speaking of being mad, I'll have everybody know that Vice don't care about us dope heads with their weed kits and such. I'd relapse faster than a scalded dog thinking about that delicious THC lace fried chicken. Vice will never have the support I get from my dopey nation. Lastly, I want to say rest in peace to my brother Chris from another mother. And toodles, y'all. Remember, us dope heads got to stick together and stay strong, dopey nation. Welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, uh, recovery, and dumb shit. And I'm Dave, and I am joined on the telephone with my very, very good friend, Aurora. What's going on? Hi, Dopey. Hi, Dopey Nation. Hi, Aurora. What's going on? Yeah, I'm just, you know, chilling. Rewatching old episodes of Game of Thrones, getting ready for April. You know, I, I didn't tell the Dopey Nation this, and I don't even know if I told you this, but um, at some point recently, I don't know the last new show I've watched, but like, I think when I think it was right after Chris died, I just said fuck it, and I started watching Game of Thrones again, and I watched the whole thing. I watched it all last year, but last night I came home and I kind of felt like, you know, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. And I was like, what do I feel like watching? And I was like, I just want to put on something really comforting. So I put on Game of Thrones and it was, you know, the best decision I ever made. And I thought about you, Dave, because I knew you would you would support that. Well, I, I swear to God, last year I watched the whole thing also. And... <laughs> And at, I could I could watch it all again right now. I could. I, I could, could too. I, I'm like I, I like don't I can't handle new TV shows all of a sudden. I don't care. It's like I just don't fucking care. Although, you know, it's funny. Um, I did this episode recently with uh, this guy Jake Fogelnest, and I was talking about TV shows. And there was one show that I managed to watch the whole thing, and it is the it's like the biggest train wreck of a show ever. It's called Insatiable. Have you ever heard of it? No. Okay, it's on Netflix, okay? It's about this girl who's like a food addict, but she's in high school. She's just this very heavy girl. And um, and she winds up, she wants to be, she, she hates herself and she wants to be different. It's a very addict-y show. And, uh, and she meets this guy who like coaches beauty contests and he like, I don't know, remember what exactly what happens. I think she gets into a fight or something. Somebody punches her in the face, and she gets her mouth wired shut, and she can't eat. So she loses a hundred pounds, and she's the hottest girl in the world all of a sudden. And the guy decides to coach her in beauty contests, 
And like, but then it turns out like the guy is gay and starts fucking another guy. It's like the craziest show I ever saw. <laughs> it's like, it's retarded, but like. Do you recommend it? Aurora, do I recommend Insatiable? Uh, I would say it's one of the worst shows, but uh, <laughs> I really liked it. You know what I mean? It had everything I want in a show. You know, it's a lot of stupidity. Uh, it's like weird that I enjoyed this crazy gay show. But, like, I do recommend it, especially for addicts. I recommend it for addicts, especially if you're in between shows, because there's only one season. And you're not going to believe – I mean, maybe I spoiled the whole thing, so that was a spoiler a, – a, a too late spoiler alert, right? I guess I should go back and put in spoiler alert, because you don't know that it's going to become a gay show. You don't think it is. You're like, this guy seems very gay. And then three quarters of the way through the season, he's fucking guys. It's crazy. He's a high school student? No, he's an adult. He's a married guy. And he, he's like, he, he's a lawyer who wants to coach uh, beauty pageant contestants. I don't know. It's very much an addiction show. Very much. But, um, but so, like, I, I, I watched that, and then I tried to watch, like, Daredevil, and I was like, I don't fucking care. And I love Daredevil. I love the comic, but I couldn't watch it. And I was like, I'm going to watch Game of Thrones again because I know the season's coming up. And frankly, Aurora, if we, if we want to really get down to brass tacks, I watched it because the, the last season was season seven, right? Yep. I thought it, it wasn't right. I don't think they did it right. And I wanted to watch the whole thing again to see if I still felt that way. And I do. Yeah, oh. there's definitely issues with season seven. You know, you can't uh, you can't please everybody. But, I mean, I think one of the great joys of watching Game of Thrones is, like, talking to people about it and analyzing it and theorizing and, like, seeing what's going to happen. I mean, even... I don't know. Even though their season seven wasn't my favorite season, I still love watching it. I can still love watching episodes multiple times and still get new things out of them. I just hated the way they tied up loose ends in season seven. I hated the way they dealt with uh, the sisters. I hated the way they put... Jon Snow and Daenerys together without really letting it be, like, chemistry. Like, it's just fucking annoying to me. But wait, I just realized something. I didn't, I didn't uh, talk about the fact that last week was such a big week for Dopey that we had, yeah. Mark, we had Mark Maron on last week. Yeah, tell me, what's, what's, the, uh, what's the response been? Well, I just want to explain something to the Dopey Nation about you, okay, Aurora? Uh, okay. Everybody listened to the show And everybody's like Oh my god what a great show Blah 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 what a great show Blah 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 Aurora texts me she's like oh my god you got Mark Marin." And I was like yeah it's pretty good And Aurora just can't be bothered to fucking listen She'll text me like You're like I listened to the first five minutes And then like <laughs> Then like three days go by I'm like and you're like I listened to 20 more minutes Of the Mark Marin episode And it's like I had, Dude I had a friend in town and he does not fucking stop talking and so like we'd be listening to it in the car and he would start talking and be like i'd be like dude we're i got i have to listen to the dopey mark Marin. like shut up so <laughs> who's I, that I, doug I a, the nug what's his name doug nug yeah i just i had a very busy weekend so but i did finish listening to it at work yesterday oh you did right 
Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't you say that's my greatest interview in the history of my interviews? I don't think so, no. Why not? I I just, I felt like you were uh, not 100% yourself, maybe. Really? Yeah, that you were like a little bit like awestruck by Mark Maron, and so you weren't yourself. I don't think you listened to it. And you also told them, like, things were beautiful. Like, you were like, yeah, that's beautiful, beautiful, man. If you fucking don't tell me at least, like, four times tonight during our conversation that things I say are beautiful, I'm going to resent you. When do I ever tell you anything you say is beautiful? Never. So it was such bullshit. I heard you telling Mark Maron over and over, yeah, beautiful, man. Uh, Did I really say that's beautiful? I say, yo, I said, you're you're quite a beautiful cat, Mark Maron. I really like what you're putting down, Mark Maron. I never never heard such gratitude come from Dave. I think you're saying platitudes. You're saying I was people-pleasing Mark Maron is what you're saying. You, You were. But I think it was a good interview. I think it was good. I think, I think it was. I think he. I think he enjoyed it too. Well, I was my 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 lips were so inside his asshole they were coming out of his mouth. It was, they really were. It was ridiculous. But <laughs> to be honest, like insatiable, I enjoyed the experience. I just did. Like he 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 really like. It's a dream he, for you, right? I mean, it's it's a dream. It's one. Of, it's, would you say he's a hero? You know, I didn't realize he was a hero until I was sitting with him, you know? And then sitting with him, I realized that he was a hero of mine, that he makes, like, he has one of the most listened to podcasts, that he makes his living doing exactly what I want to make my living doing. But, like, I really didn't, (laughs) what? What's so funny about that? It's just incredible that it's so hard sometimes for us to see ourselves, do you know what I mean? Like... Like, yeah, it's, it's obvious to me that, like, you've listened to Mark Maron for years. You read his book. Like, that's exactly what you want to be doing with your life. And so, of course, it was, like, a huge deal well, for you to have him on. To be honest, to be honest, it's like when I would listen to Mark Maron, I would be so critical of him. And I would just be like, I could do that. I could do that. I could do that. I could do that better. You know what I mean? Like, that's really how I listened to Mark Maron because I always thought that, like, we were kind of similar, you know, we were both Jewish and we were both nebbishy and both like, you know, second guessing and all, you know, so cynical and all those things that I judged him because it reminded me of me. But then the day he came on, I listened to his Keith Richards and his Paul McCartney and I was like, this guy's good. You know what I mean? Like this guy does stuff that I couldn't do. He's like way more organized. He's way more thoughtful like he can put shit together that I can't put together, you know, and and it just kind of occur all dawned on me. I mean, he, he also has way more experience than you and way more sobriety. So, so you're so, I, I, so you're saying that I'm raw better than Mark Maron, but because he has all this seasoning, he's actually better with the experience. Yeah, I'll give you that, Dave. Yeah, yeah, I'll agree. But I mean, whatever. It was a great thrill and an honor to have Mark Maron on the show and like I think it's great that you didn't think I was that good. I really I really like that criticism. <laughs> but I think you're wrong. I think I was really good in that one. No? You just didn't seem like yourself. Are you kidding me? I was so myself. And you know, but but that's the thing, you know, the thing that was really not myself was that I let him talk. That yeah, was the exactly. thing. 
But that's what I'm trying to change about myself. I learned something by listening to his things that I should let people talk. So why don't you talk? What's up with you? Um, what's up with me? Well, wait. Before I want to interrupt you. Before, yeah, I don't want to talk about what's up with me. Well, no, I was gonna. We're gonna talk about your story and recovery and drugs. Me and Aurora used to smoke pot every day for many, many years. And I remember one time we went to a bar, and <laughs> we went to a bar, and I was drinking uh, old fashions at the time, trying to be like uh, Donald Draper. Uh, remember when I would drink old fashions at the bar? Is that the bar in Canal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, yeah. and Aurora's got pills on her, and uh, and she's like, Dave, I'm, I can't give you pills. And, <laughs> and then she's like, Okay, I'll give you one pill. I mean, I mean, besides that, we only smoked weed together, really. I mean, in the back in the day, I mean, we did coke together, whatever. But like, we were just classic stoners I didn't together. Give you any benzos? I never gave you any benzos. Yes, you did at that I bar. Gave, no, I didn't. I gave you a flexoral. A flexoril, I think it's called. Nobody wants it's that like, stuff. No, no, you had a clone. That's what I gave you. I for I a hundred percent never gave you any benzos. Hell no, I wouldn't. I just would not. I gave you a flexoril twice. That shit is garbage. You were having like severe neck pain or back pain, and that like knocks you. It takes away your pain and it knocks you out and you sleep for ages, but it does not get you high, and it's not. Um, it's not addictive. I don't really believe that story. But so that is, there's no fucking way that I would have given you an ex heroin addict benzos. Oh no come way. on! You think so? You in your active addiction, you thought you were very responsible and thoughtful, is what you're saying? Yes, because of my history with my with my mother. There's no way I was giving you an ex heroin addict any benzos. Before it's we too triggering. Before it's too triggering for me. Before we go down this. Very, very sad and dramatic hole. I want to ask you, I, I'm, I, I've come up with this idea, okay, okay, for a product, and I want to see, I, I know a bunch of people who are interested in this product, and I want to see if you might be interested in this product. Okay. Are you ready? Not the Othello. No, the Othello, lots of people are interested. In fact, mm-hmm. big people have become interested in the Othello beyond Mikey Likes It and Abu. There's a whole new level to the Othello story that I don't want to tell yet on Doby, but soon enough that's coming down the pike. This is an idea that I thought of maybe two years ago, and I meant to talk about it on Dopey, but I forgot about it, and it all came back to me, and I think we're up at the Christmas season, and this might be a gift that you want to give somebody, or you want to give it to yourself. What is it? Are you curious? Not really, but... Usually, usually when I have one of my great ideas, would you say you usually like them or you don't like them? Um... Or you're 50... Usually... What do you think? I think I usually like them. Okay. You ready? Yeah. It is called an infinity mug, okay? And what this mug is... I know you like to drink coffee. Yeah. Now, imagine if you had a coffee mug, right... And on the coffee mug was a, another you, a picture of you drinking coffee with a picture of you drinking coffee with a pic. You know what I'm saying? So you're drinking coffee, but on the mug is you drinking coffee. And on that mug is you drinking coffee. So it's infinite you drinking coffee on the mug. 
Okay, like the little Russian dolls. Mm-hmm. No, it's not like the. It's like it's like an optical illusion of infinity. It's the infinity mug. You're not. You don't like it. It doesn't sound that good right now, actually. No, I mean, I don't know. It could be. It could be kind of a weird novelty. I don't know that it would be worth the the money that it would take to produce it if you could really, you know, sell them and make money. I think people want the Infinity Mug, and I'm going to put it out to the Dopey Nation. Are you, <laughs> are you guys interested in getting an Infinity Mug? Because I'm thinking about setting up an app that can take a picture of you with a cup of coffee and then get it printed to a mug. I feel like it's got to be a big mug for it to really read. You well, know who I mean? wouldn't want it? Like- you wouldn't want Okay, fine. Let's Let's put all the problems aside. Let's say it's a big mug. You wouldn't want a mug of you drinking coffee on it with a mug of you drinking coffee on it. That's the question. If I could get that for you, would you want it or wouldn't you? I guess I would have it at work as like my work mug, you know? Like, oh, everybody, look at how self-deprecating and funny I am and weird. So you don't think it's you don't you know you don't like the idea. <laughs> this is not some this is not up your alley. I know that if I had a mug of you drinking coffee with you drinking coffee that you'd like it. And I think that like maybe this isn't this isn't the kind of shtick that I thought it would be on the show, but I know <laughs> I know that lots of people in the Dopey Nation want an infinity mug. I just know it. Everybody really wants one. Everybody does. Now let's get back to your sad story. You're we sa- all want more. Who doesn't want an infinity mug? And then you could have a mug of you like toasting, you know, with the mug. And on the mug is you toasting with the mug. And then on that mug is you toasting with the mug. Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I get it, Dave. I, I don't know. Why do I like it? I don't think it's going on my Christmas list. If I could Why? make you one, you would be like, holy shit. Or if you had a, it's like, I don't believe you. But anyway, let's, let's get off the infinity mug. This is not going as well as I had hoped it was going to go. But maybe you weren't the person. You know, I've been saving the infinity. Can I tell you that for an hour... I told Linda about the Infinity Mug when we went shopping, and she was like, could you just please shut up about the Infinity (laughs) Mug? Linda hated the Infinity Mug so much, but Devin and Jim and Greg loved it. And I figured you should... Yeah, I don't think... Like, when I think about Christmas gifts, um, the Infinity, you know, the Infinity Mug is not, like, it's not what I want. Like, what what I received today in the mail from Amazon is exactly I'm way more into it than the Infinity Mug. What'd you get? It's a hot water bottle and it's wearing a, a cable knit sweater and you know you can just like keep warm in this cold apartment. I you know I have it on my lap right fucking now. I'm like amazing. What a great gift. And you, anything to do with anything to do with like coziness is what I'm into right now. And you gave this gift to yourself, I assume. Yeah, I have, you know, they're, they're very big. Hot water bottles are like a huge thing in Europe and Australia. Americans are not that hip to them yet. But uh, my, my Aussie friend was like, oh, get, you know, my apartment is freezing. And so she was like, get yourself one. And uh, so I did a little research and, and this, this one gets the best reviews. So I bought one and now I'm considering buying every woman in my life this for Christmas. As opposed and to, instead of an infinity mug, you'd want to do this. Yeah, it's, and it's inexpensive. How much and is a hot water bottle? It's like 12 bucks, and you, it's wearing a cable knit sweater. All right, enough, enough. I don't, want, I don't care about the hot water bottle. Come on, come on, enough. <laughs> Fucking hot water bottle. But you know what I bought, too? You know what I just bought? 
I bought what? these fancy Apple iBuds or whatever you call them. You did? That's uh, a mistake. Why? <laughs> you're going you're to lose them or fuck them up or they're not going to work right. The worst like, thing is they don't fucking instantly. fit in my ear. Everybody else, everybody else, they just sit so nicely. Mine point outward. They don't point have, down. You have no business buying anything more than a $10 pair of headphones, Dave. No, but I really like them. And they and they, they come in that thing, the little... Do you have them? Are they wireless? You got wireless ones? I got wireless ones because Apple's such a fucking piece of shit company. You have you to understand. Your mind. Listen, you just be quiet. Just be quiet for a second. You're going you're gonna to lose one on the Long Island Railroad like tomorrow. Well, fuck you, and then, okay? And then, listen. All, and then we're all going to have to hear about it. Listen, you, listen, you are not Mark Marin, and I'm not going to let you talk. Um... <laughs> The the fucking Apple is such a fucking piece of shit fucking thing that they sell these phones that you can't listen to headphones and charge at the same time. You know, you have to plug your headphones in or charge because it's one jack. So, like, I had to get Bluetooth fucking speakers, and you talk to me on the phone all the time, and you know that those Bluetooth speakers, you can't hear me when I wear them. You can't talk and walk. So what I heard about the Apple iBuds or whatever they're called is that you can walk and talk and it sounds like you're walking and talking. And I'll tell you this, Aurora, I've been walking and talking with you and you haven't even known I've had the headphones on. That's how good they are. Well, then, I think it's worth the three weeks you're going to have them then. Money well spent. I agree. I've already lost them twice. (laughs) I had them for like a week. I lost them twice. Anyway, so you say... No to the iPhone earbuds, no to the infinity mug, yes to the hot water bottle in the cable knit sweater. Yes. All right. Well, it's typical. Typical you like your stuff and you don't like my stuff. So let's get to your stuff. Let's hear let's let's get to the the the, the story because uh, Aurora is an addict and an alcoholic in recovery and most importantly, Aurora just celebrated uh 3 years clean. So how are you feeling? Yeah. I feel good. I'm very, very proud and grateful that I have three years clean and sober, and I cannot believe I have three years. I know. I know. Me too. You know, I got clean, uh, I think, a good couple months before you, and uh, it's gone very fast for me too, and it's hard to believe that three years have passed. But uh, tell me a little bit about your story, or tell the Dopey Nation about your story, because I know your old story. Well, you know, Dave, you are the person that suggested I get clean. Um, and so thank you for that. I do want to thank you for that. Yes. Um, and we'll talk about that. Would you say I would you say I was your hero? <laughs> no. Um, I would say what do they why do they call it Eskimo? Don't they call it like like you're my Eskimo. Dude, like, I don't know. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me, but I don't know about Eskimo tradition. Maybe it's like a Sherpa. Like Maybe a, if somebody in the Dopey Nation knows what that is, because I hear it in meetings, but I don't really know what it means. It's probably like an Eskimo guides some frozen motherfucker to some place where they can survive. Well, that's what you were for me. You were my guide. You were the person that suggested that I try to get clean and But to say that I suggested it is really not to paint the picture, because the truth is I was insane 
And I was totally deranged. And then I started going to AA and I got sane. And you were like, holy shit. And you were totally deranged. And I was like, why don't you just come with me? And you came with me. Also, but before you said come to a meeting with me, you had had planted a seed. You had said to me, like, you've been drinking and using for 20 years. Why don't you try just to get clean and sober for 90 days? Right. You suge- you suggested that. Right. You planted I planted th- the seed in my head. You were the and and I saw that you had been restored to sanity. Yes. So I saw that it worked in others. So it you know it did it gave me the willingness. Right. And like it did, but I was restored to sanity, and I just could. It was like me and Aurora were so close, and we smoked pot together so much. That the idea—I mean, like—I knew that we wouldn't—we wouldn't be friends anymore if you had stayed active. We just would have drifted apart, and I didn't want that to happen. So I kind of like wanted to get you to get clean, so that uh, you know, I knew you'd be happier. I never thought about that. You're absolutely right. I never thought about that. What? That like that we wouldn't be friends. Like probably if I stayed using. No, I don't think so. You know, but. So why don't you hit us with a little with a little bit of the dopey? Tell us a little of your story. Well, so you, when wait, I got before uh, you even do that, do you have any terrible drug stories? Um, what do you mean by? I mean, yeah, I mean, I I feel like I have some terrible drug stories. All right, lay it on me. I'm, um, I'm going to pretend you're Mark Maron now, and I'm going to listen. You're just going to listen. Yeah. I'll, I'll probably well, interject a bunch, so don't worry. All right, so, you know, I'm from Rochester, New York. I'm from upstate New York. I'm from an Irish Catholic family. I've got a lot of, you know, drug addicts and alcoholics and gambling addicts in my family. Um, you know, I've got um, an uncle that hung himself. After his third DWI, I've got, you know, grandparents that were, like, um, degenerate gamblers. And, you know, after I got sober, I, you know, I have an alcoholic father and who I talk to often. And after I got sober, I was asking him, like, you know, oh, tell me the story about how you met my mother. And um, he told me that they met at the methadone clinic. And I was like, you just, you got to be fucking kidding me. Like, you you couldn't have met, like, at a party or at the beach. Like, there's not, like, one story. So, yeah, my parents were both heroin addicts who met um, in the 70s. My dad was 29 and my mom was 19. And um, Vietnam was going on. And my dad was, you know, in the Army and... Yeah, he met my mom at the methadone clinic. My mom was, you know, a teenage hippie who had gone from using weed and, you know, psychedelics into heroin. And, um, yeah, they were young and fell in love and quickly got pregnant with me. And, you know, throughout the pregnancy, they both continued to use heroin and methadone. Um, and that's why I'm not good at math. Um, but... You know, I don't think that's why you're not good at math. <laughs> were, were you born addicted to methadone? I don't know. I really don't know. Right. I, it's something like I don't. I haven't asked like my immediate family. Like I could ask my aunt about it. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. 
a great question. Do I want to know? I'm not sure. I'm sure you. I'm sure you were. Oh, so yeah. So my, you know, go ahead. No, lay it. I mean, like, listen. Dopey Nation, like, I know this is some sad, and if I was Oprah, I would be crying, and Aurora could be crying, but Aurora's one of my best friends, and I don't want it to turn into a, 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 a weep fest here, because uh, I don't want that, but this is a very, like, it's a crazy story. So your your parents could have met on the beach, like, after they got their take-homes or something, but they actually met in the clinic. <laughs> There, that adds some romance. I like that. I, I mean, I, I, I like, when my dad said it, I just knew it was true. And, and like, but also part of me, like, come on, like, fucking, I can't get one break. Like, I can't have one story. Like, you know, I mean, from the beginning, it was just fucked up. Yeah. Um, it's and just, I, you know. Please continue. Go ahead. No, it's just so chock full of it, but continue. I remember, Dave, when I told you that happened, and you said to me, you were like, oh, you're, you're the real deal, Rory. That's what you said. I was like, yep, it's the real deal. Well, um, I, I came from the exact opposite family. I came from the most cushy middle-class family in the history of the world. And me and Aurora were in college together, like, driving to Washington Heights to cop weed. And she's like, oh, yeah, my mother's a heroin addict and met my father in the methadone clinic. And I was just like, oh, man. You know what I mean? Like, what can you say to that? You know what I mean? Like, coming from, like, you, you know the cushy fucking family I come from. And it's like, like, the fact that I went off the deep end, you know... That's the other thing that's interesting about it is that I went off the deep end so bananas, like in a way that you never would, but you still went off the deep end in your own measured way. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So talk to me. Lay it on me. That's um. It. So, so let's see. So you know, my you know my parents tried. They did the best they could. They made it, you know, about 18 months, I think, before my father went to jail for armed robbery. Wow. He, like, uh, he, uh, burglar, or he was uh, caught stealing from a local grocery store. You know, he tried to hold them up. And uh, he went to jail. He had a gun? And, yeah, yeah, he had a gun. He, you know, he could be pretty abusive. My mother would tell me stories that, that once he pistol whipped her. Um, once he cut off all her hair. Wow. Um, yeah. So, but apparently he was, you know, I was like, you know, the light of his life and he adored me and doted on me. Um, so he went to jail and my mom, you know, lived in the neighborhood she grew up on. She lived down the street from her parents and she had a little one bedroom and she had me and... You know, I, I remember being a little kid, and she would leave the house and, you know, um, go cop and leave me there alone and, you know, make me promise not to answer the door for the cunt that lived across the hall that was really nosy. How old do you think and, you were then? I mean, you know, I must have been between two, three, four years old, pretty little. Right. Because... And you remember that? I remember, I remember I would crawl up on the, I remember that, and I remember, like, you know, knowing that the lady across the hall, like, wanted to help and cared, but also being, 
you know, afraid of, like, upsetting my mother, of betraying my mother, because her wrath was, you know, fucking terrifying, frankly. Um, nothing like the wrath of a vindictive drug addict. Right. Um, and I used to climb up on the counter and, like, get cereal, you know? For me, I remember I thought, I'm so independent, and when she's gone, I can eat all the fucking Cocoa Puffs I want. Right. Uh, happy days. Um, but, you know, my mother would get, you know, arrested, sloppy, caught for, for neglect and for leaving me. And so, you know, I think my grandmother and grandfather probably, you know, bailed her out of trouble for that a few times. Um, but eventually, you know, by the time I was three, they started taking me, uh, you know, overnight and for weekends and your whatever they could. And your grandparents yeah, were like, grandparents. talk about your grandparents. They were like the opposite of your of your parents. Yeah, I mean, my grandparents were like, you know, Depression-era, Irish, Scottish, Catholic, you know, first and second generation, um, you know, hardworking, you know, really cared about appearances. Well, they, so were, uber, they were uber responsible. They were like, uh, pillars yeah. of the community. They were pillars of their family. Your mother was totally the black sheep in your family. Yeah. You know, so yeah. that when your when your grandparents started to take you in, it was like night and day, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, they were. I mean, they provided you know safety and stability and 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 love and um, yeah. So they, you know, thank God they took me in. Um, but it was. You know, it was tumultuous, and it was a process, you know. It wasn't all at once. I just lived with them. There was a lot of back and forth, and there was, you know, legal battles as well because, you know, they wanted to take custody of me, and my mother didn't want to uh, give up custody. She certainly didn't want them to have custody, you know. She fought in court for me to go to foster care rather than to live with her parents. Why was that? Uh, you know, I, I, I chalk it up to vindictive, junkie behavior. Right. You know? Because she didn't want, she was like, if I can't have her, I definitely don't want my mother, my controlling parents to have her kind of thing. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So when yeah. did you wind up living with your grandparents? I mean, from the age of three, they had me um, a lot. And then by the age of five, I remember distinctly, too, I wanted... I had wanted a canary for a long time, and I finally, at Chris, like before Christmas, got this canary, and um, and it was right before Christmas, and my, you know, right after my fifth birthday, and right that that year that my grandparents, I just, I just have a very distinct memory. I think my mother was like getting kicked out of this apartment that we lived together and I had the canary and like my grandmother was there and we were packing everything up and that was the last time like I never you know went back to to living with my mother again I lived with my grandparents from then on out right and uh yeah. and what was your relate and like how often did you see your parents after that what were they doing well my dad was not around he um you know he couldn't really fight for me in court because of his felony charges and his jail time and, you know, and my grandparents hated him. And he was, you know, an active addict and alcoholic. He kicked heroin, but he was, um, 
an alcoholic and um, dabbled in a lot of other drugs. So, you know, I would see him from time to time. Sometimes my mother would, would take me to see him. Um, and I would see my mother, you know, she would she would get clean for a while and sometimes come and live with us. Or I would see her sometimes in rehab. Um, I would see her... Um, I saw her once, I think I, maybe, I think I saw her once in jail, but my grandmother wouldn't really take me to see my mother in jail. Um, but I do remember, too, my grandmother would drive my mother to the methadone clinic, and, like, I, I would go in, and I would sit on the secretary's lap at the methadone clinic and, like, play on her typewriter. Um, you remember, remember that? Her. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. So, so then after after uh, you're with your grandparents and you're not with your parents, did your life just get super rosy and suburban? <laughs> well, no, I lived in the city. I never lived in the suburbs. <clears throat> Rochester and is basically the suburbs. Come on. I lived in the 10th Ward. It was rough. Um, no, it wasn't. But, uh, no, I mean... You know, I had a lot of people that loved me, but I always felt like I didn't belong. Like, I had, you know, a lot of anxiety and a lot of shame. And, you know, my mother was fucking a heroin addict who was around a lot of the times. So she would show up to my school and, like, you know, high on heroin with, like, white shit around her mouth, like, calling the nuns cunts, you know? Wow. It was like... It was horribly shameful. Like, I, you know, that was third grade. I remember that. So your mother was yeah. just this crazy source of embarrassment for you? H- hugely, yes. Yes. That's interesting because I'm a heroin addict and I'm sober and I, I embarrass my third grade daughter all the time. <laughs> I don't ever call nuns cunts to their faces. Just behind their backs. I'm like, this fucking cunt nun. What the f-? I'm like, Nora, could you believe this cunt nun? She's like, Daddy, what are you talking about? I'm like, nothing. Give me another give me another dose of methadone. Shut up. Sorry. Sorry. Continue. Um There's nothing no. like your mother showing up at Catholic school to call the nuns cunts. I mean, that's just like and to try to take me out of class, you know? Right. Um, you know, but my grandparents, like, you know, they enabled her a lot because, you know, they didn't get it. Like, they paid for a lot of rehabs. They gave her money all the time. She would hustle the shit out of them. Right. And they would let her, you know, take me. And she would use me to, to as part of her hustle, you know? We used to do this whole, like, stranded motorist thing where she would pretend, you know, her car broke down with her young daughter with her and, like, you know, get tons of money off of people. Um, And she would, you know, shoplift with me and get arrested all the time or, you know, would make me run for the bus with her and then go downtown to score drugs and leave me alone with strangers at the bar or, you know... There were overdoses. You know, be, I'd end up at the hospital with somebody overdosed, you know. Yeah, I mean, like, it's amazing that more horrible things didn't happen to you. as a, I mean, with all these horrible things that happened to you as a child, it's amazing that more horrible things didn't happen to you. It really is amazing that more horrible things didn't happen. I, it, I'm like, I, I truly feel lucky that, like, I was never 
you know, injured or sexually abused. Well, and I bet your grandparents, like, and they were really decent, cool people. You know, they did give you, like, a, a nice... I mean, like, they gave you at least the illusion of stability, even if deep inside you knew you were totally unstable. Yeah, and they did. And they did give me a lot of stability. And in a lot of ways, I felt like, you know, I had a double life sometimes, you know? Um, and I would play the two, you know, like parents of divorce or something. I would play, you know, my mother against them and them against my mother, you know? Because I, I you know, ultimately, like... You know, you want your parents' approval and love, and, you know, it's really, you know, heartbreaking to realize that your parents are always going to choose drugs over you, you know. So by the time I was probably, like, you know, 10 or 11, I'd become very hardened to the fact that, you know, my mother was not going to change and that I just, like, couldn't trust her, you know. You know, it's like... When I, when I, you know, I wanted you to come on the show because we're good friends and I love talking to you. But your story, like, is so tough and raw. And I bet you there's a ton of people in the Dopey Nation who listen to the show and they had parents who were like your parents. Or even there's probably a ton of people in the Dopey Nation who are like your parents, you know, who have children. And, like, what would you say to either of them? Oh, man. I mean, I know that's a very heavy thing, but, like, let's just throw it out there for a second. I mean... I guess to the children of addicts, like, you've made it out of this, you know, hell, right? Yeah. And what, and to the, what about to the, more importantly, to the to the addicts out there who were like your mother, who's like doing the stranded motorist bit with their kids and stuff. Like, I guess, what do you say? Like, what kind of thing is that for me to even ask you? But like, you know what I mean? It's like, get your shit together. (laughs) I guess that's the only answer. I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't, why does it work for some people in recovery and why does it not work for others? Like, you know, why do some people like get the miracle of this and others like my mother don't, you know, I mean, she went to rehab a million times. I can only assume that she was introduced to the steps and to, you know, AA and NA recovery and the literature and, you know, and she had was able to put together clean time, whether it was, you know, three months, six months, nine months, you know, I, I don't know why it, why it didn't work for her. Right. Why, you know, right. why, why, why didn't, you know, the fact that she had a young daughter, like, why couldn't that keep her sober? I mean, we know this, Dave, like, you know, people go to the gates of insanity and death, like, you know, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to tell people. <laughs> Yeah, there is no... That, I mean, that's the most fucked up thing is that there is no way to, like, give it to somebody. You just, you know, you either... You can, you're either fortunate and you get it or you don't. But I honestly think, like, to this day, to this minute, I believe that everybody can get it. Like, I believe that. Like, and some people think I'm crazy to believe that, but I really believe that anyone can get it. I believe that anyone can get it, too. I do. Because we did, and we're stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Especially you. I know, especially me. Like, I did not think I was ever going to get it. And I got it, 
You know, like, because I got lucky. It just hit me where it had to hit me. And, like, you know, like, things all happen the way... I I don't believe that things happen for a reason. I believe things happen the way they happen. And and your story is tough because your mom didn't get it. No. You want to do... Yeah, and it was, you know, a very... A uh, very sad cycle of, you know, 20 plus years of addiction and, you know, in and out of jail institutions and ultimately death. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and um, at what point would you say, like, when you were a teenager, how did you feel about your mother? Oh, man. I, you know, she was still come around sometimes and you know I mean steal all my clothes um I remember you know being a teenager and just you know blasting velvet underground you know heroin like you know yeah mom I I, you know I get it now I'm like you know so cool and you know just being really angry I was so fucking angry with her you know I just I just wanted her to get away from me um and just disgusted with her and you know i was all you know just a typical teenager just venomous you know right but Um, you were the typical teenager with a a heroin addict mother on methadone and you were living with your grandmother so you multiply typical teenage angst by a billion and divide it by trauma you know it's like it's not you know what i mean it's this it's a normal teenage reaction but the specifics are so not normal playbook shit you know, and I, I remember, like, I could drive and, you know, she was, you know, would try to hustle me, you know, wanted me to take her uh, downtown so that she could get some benzos. And, you know, I I just, I didn't want to drive her, you know, I did because then I would, you know, I wanted her love. But then I also, like, I knew what the deal was. I knew she was just hustling me to get drugs. And, you know, it just... And never stopped, you know? The question I have is, like, did your drug use and alcoholism ever cross purposes with hers? Like, because you were smoking weed from when you were, like, 14 or something, probably drinking. You know, 15. Yeah, whatever, 15. You were taking ecstasy at a young age. You were going to clubs. You were, you, yeah. When I met you, you were, like, a kind of classic bad girl type. Yeah. And, and, uh, and did that ever cross with your mother's? I think, you know, I think actually a little bit maybe because my grandparents would leave me to the house. Uh, They would leave and go camping every weekend and leave me there alone. So I think there was some times where maybe she uh, knew that, like, we were drinking and partying um, and, and was there herself. But, you know, it was on such a different, I mean, at that point, she had been a heroin addict, you know, who'd been living on the streets for, you know, on and off for over 20 years and was, you know, ravaged by IV drug use and by, you know, hepatitis C and AIDS at that point, too. You know, it was a way different story. I mean. Right. And so, so like, at that point. When did you find out she had she had been diagnosed with AIDS? Um, I was a sophomore in high school, and we were at the mall buying me some, like, cleats or some shoes for athletics. And 
her and I got into a fight and she told me like vindictive, like out of spite that she had been diagnosed with AIDS. Holy we were shit. at the mall. We we're at the mall. Yeah. You never told me that story. Yeah. And then what happened? I don't know. I was, you know, fucking freaked out. It was like 1991. And I think Magic Johnson had just announced that he had AIDS. Um, and everybody, you know, it was another, it was another embarrassment. It was another like source of shame. Like, you know, oh my God, people are going to find out. Like, not only is my mother a drug addict, I live with my grandparents. It's also embarrassing. Now, like this disease too. Right. Right. Um, and in 1991, you were like, you were smoking weed and were you starting to get wild? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, going, you know, going out to clubs, uh, wanting to be an adult, smoking weed. I don't think I'd started. I don't, I think soon after that I started taking psychedelics and ecstasy and cocaine. Like, you know, by the time all, but 15, 16, 17, you know? Right. And like, how did the, the two kind of fit together? You know, your mother was like, you know, it's a tragic terrible story of addiction turned to AIDS and, you know, ultimate death. Uh, and you're like this bad girl living at your grandparents' house, acting like a good girl, but running like around in these crazy circles, but never being able to see any, any, you know, uh, comparison to your parents, you know, and meanwhile, like you're kind of building up your own repertoire in alcoholism and drug, drug addiction. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was always like, I think there was always part of me was afraid that my grandparents would find out that I was using drugs and then I would have to have that like, you know, and part of me wonders what, what would have happened to my life if that had, if I had gotten really caught, you know, and there had been some kind of like showdown about like, what the fuck do you think you're doing? Like, look at your own mother. Like, how could you risk this? But uh, that never happened. And, you know, I just thought I was, smarter than her and I was never going to touch heroin so you know I was never going to be my mother you know I was going to be independent I was going to you know go I was going to leave that place the moment I could and you know live my own fucking life free of drug addicts and old people where I could do whatever I wanted to do and now look at you you're a drug addict and an old person (laughs) and i'm so happy well not to kill your happiness but just because the story should be told uh as a cautionary tale to people out there or and just as a way of you to have closure in in you know in the sphere of dopey as as minor a sphere as it is why why don't you just tell the rest of your mom's story well uh i left home the minute i could and You know, my mother continued to use. Um, She went to hospice twice, almost died from AIDS. Dave, one of those trips, you went with me. Yeah, I remember. Upstate with me to see my mother in hospice. Yeah. And that's why it always really shocked me years later when I heard that you became a heroin addict. I didn't connect. I didn't connect the two. Like I didn't think that I was going to become a heroin addict when I did heroin. And then when I did heroin, I didn't connect it to your mother dying in the hospice with AIDS. I just didn't connect it. As stupid as that is, right. but right. 
Um, and there's also so, other elements to that story that we don't need to talk about. Yeah, true. So, yeah, I mean, my mom was very ill, but she continued to shoot heroin. And, um, you know, eventually, you know, she went back to jail one last time. And um, when she got out of jail, uh, she was, I don't know, she wasn't out very long. She called me. Um, I was going to go home. My best friend was having a baby in a month, and I was going to go home for that. And um, two days later, uh, I got the call that she had jumped from the 10th floor of her apartment building. And, um, yeah, she killed herself on St. Patrick's Day. Um, 2000. Wow. Do you think there was any significance to the fact that it was St. Patrick's Day? Hell yes. Like, I come from a big Irish Catholic family that, like, loves St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, 100%. There was, like, a big significance that she did it on St. Patrick's Day. And when she died, um... I mean... Maybe I mean, maybe she was just in so much pain that day. There was no, you know, I don't know, I don't know. And but like, and how did you? And how did how did you respond to the whole thing? It seems like an extra fuck you. Right. Um. You know, I. Uh, I had broke my boyfriend and I at the time had broken up. He was out of town. We were still living together. Um, the restaurant where I worked at, everyone was very supportive, um, and. You know, a guy I worked with uh, came over to, like, sit with me. Um, I was fucking taking a lot of pills and smoking weed. I think this kid who they sent to my friend that I worked with, they were sitting with me, like, you know, was from a really, like, good cookie-cutter family. Like, just had no experience at all. Couldn't even relate to, like, you know, kind of hearing about, like, my mother was a drug addict and had just killed herself, and I you know, kind of seemed okay. I was, like, out of it, you know. I was very high and, you know, taking pills and kind of, you know, not feeling about it. I mean, I've been waiting for this moment, you know, all my life. And she had also, like, you know, threatened to kill herself a lot throughout the years. Um, And, you know, so you're never really ready for it, but... um, I don't know. I just I don't think I really was processing very much, um, and I I hadn't flown for a couple of years. I was afraid to fly, but I had to fly home to attend her funeral. And you know, I was angry. I was angry at my family. I was, um, you know, I, I at her funeral. I just I got very angry with the priest. Um, I was angry afterwards at, at the wake, um, and I decided take a bunch of Ativan uh, right after the, the funeral service, and I went right to bed. I just, like, missed the whole, like, you know, after-funeral kind of party. I just slept through it all. Right. Well, yeah. that is a very, 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 very tough and sad story. Um, and uh, But still, it didn't stop you from, from using, you know, and you didn't see any no. parallel you know, whatsoever, which is, you know, you talk about, I mean, you weren't shooting heroin, I was shooting heroin, but it wasn't my parents, you know what I mean, like, you know, I did the opposite of what my parents did, you know, Uh, and you kind of did too, but you found yourself in a similar niche, 
you know, like looking for something to change the way you felt. Yep. I just wanted out of myself and out of the environment and I just, you know, give me oblivion, give me sleep. You know, I don't want to deal with any of this. And I didn't for many, many years. Until your great friend got you clean and you could finally take a look at all of the terrible things that happened to you in your life. (laughs) Yes, exactly. But God, I'm so, so grateful for it. Right, but I mean now, I mean like, you know, life, I, I hate all the Pollyanna-ish bullshit that comes with 12-step stuff. But life on life's terms really beats the other way. It just does. It's way, it's way easier. It's way easier to deal with life when you can than when you can't. You think it isn't, but it actually is. I agree. I agree. It's just it's better to, like, it's been better for me to deal with the pain uh, head on. Um, because then, you know, I can, I can move through things, you know, I can, I can feel the feelings and, and it's such a freedom. It's very freeing, even though, you know, it's much, much more painful, but in the, in the long run, I'm going to have a happier destiny. And I do know that. And I do believe that Pollyanna bit of, you know, recovery. I totally agree, and that's very beautiful. But real quick, because, like, your drug career is not that impressive, so quickly walk the Dopey Nation through your drug drug career. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Well, it's not um, an insult. It's just the truth. You know, it's like, just, I mean, like, you were prodigious. She was a stoner, like, of stoners. Like, Aurora smoked weed. Like, me and Aurora, like, would drive down to Washington Heights to score uh what do we call that, bud? Just the heights, bud, we called it, right? Um, the killer. Yeah, some, you know, some killer. The kill, the kill, the, the kill. kill. Yeah, we would, we, would drive, we would drive to 189th Street in St. Nick from, from uh, Westchester to score the kill. And remember, I had that white. Every day. I had that white Cadillac, remember? And, uh, I know. and you would drive the Cadillac. And we went down with a bunch of hippies. And like me and a, and a bunch of hippies went out to score the kill, and uh, and we get back in the car, and you're like the getaway driver, and we start <laughs> we start driving away, and then and then like the cops pull us over. Do you remember that? Yes. And yes. tell the story because I barely remember it. No, I can barely. I just remember we got pulled over, and I got us out of it yeah Aurora got us out of it because she was so Irish and the cop was like some old Irish cop that's right that is right we we were we must have been close to Riverdale yes no we were in Washington Heights it was some like O'Houlihan cop on the beat like you know it was like it was classic it was like New York was so much different then but I know I've jumped. I mean, like I jumped from like the tragic stale of your childhood to our carefree days, getting busted smoking weed. But the connection is like, what kind of a drug addict you were? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I didn't even drink. You know, I was just a major stoner and took psychedelics, and 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 I did a fair amount of cocaine pretty early on, and then I didn't drink. I didn't drink until my mid twenties, um, and. You know, when I first started drinking, like drank to oblivion pretty, pretty soon, like shots, you know, how can we get as fucked up as possible? Um, 
always like drank and drove everyone uh that i you know ran with and partied with we all did um and you know i just kind of started cycling my way through different boozes you know like single malt scotch until that didn't work for me and then champagne until you know i'm blacked out and waking up with strangers and then you know switched to bourbon and you know so i just uh drank and still always you know maintained being a daily weed smoker um and then in new york city when i moved to new york city i just you know i continued to drink and smoke weed and in new york you can drink till all hours you don't have to drive um and i just you know guzzled beer wine liquor and would get belligerent and start to brown out and black out and you know start to take cocaine so that i could remember what had happened and um and then go through periods where i would try to like you know not drink during the week or only drink on the weekends or not drink for this month or, you know, only eat edibles for a while. So, you know, those are, try to take anti-anxiety medications. Cause like that must be the problem, you know, yeah. I tried a lot of different methods until it was suggested to me. Why don't you try to get clean and sober? Suggested you know? to you like, by who? <laughs> exactly. By you, Dave. Yes. yes. And it was just like, it's crazy to me now. Like, how, why did I never think that? Like, why did I never? Because you didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to either. It's like, it's like people like addicts and stoners. It's like to give it up is like the hardest thing. And it's like your lifestyle. It's scary to give up your lifestyle. And especially like your lifestyle. It wasn't like when I was a heroin addict, my lifestyle, like, I would get sick if I didn't get it. You know, you were just doing some stupid shit. You weren't like in a pool of blood, getting sick, all that shit. It was a different, the stakes were very different, but it was your mental, the mental illness that was the same. Yeah. You know? Yep. But, the obsession. Uh, yeah, the obsession and then, and then you found recovery and like, and Aurora hit the hit recovery very hard. Like, she fucking sends me those fucking daily meditations all the time and all these fucking just for todays and all this shit. But uh, it's inspiring because Aurora, like, we get, we both get a lot, so much out of the meetings. And, like, I don't know. I'm really glad that you could, you, because I think we did it. I think you came on the show and you, like, comprehensively told your story. Don't you feel good about it? I do. I feel really good about it. Yeah. We, 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 it was touch and go for a second. Uh, <laughs> The question is, because, uh, like, Aurora knows this, but the Dopey Nation doesn't know this. You know, like, I, I had the weird ability to get a hold of Andy Dick this week. And uh, do I play the Andy Dick interview now? I think you should. You do? Organizationally, you think that's solid? Well, I mean, it's someone who is still using and... You know, may, he may be one like we're talking about, like my mother, who will never get it, you know? It's possible. Andy Dick's been exposed to a lot of recovery. I'm sure he's had a little bit of clean time, but, you know, it seems like he's been in and out, in and out, in and out. So, you know, may, will he or won't he? I, who, we don't know. We don't know. But, he, he doesn't claim sobriety, though. So we're going to get to that. But before we do... 
Before we go to Andy Dick, I'm just going to do the dopey review of the week. You ready? I'm ready. And this is, says, thank you with five stars from uh, Jimmy from the Bay. And Jimmy from the Bay says, Dave, I found Dopey after listening to Dr. Drew and Bob's podcast. I became a fan of Dopey after the Artie interview, being a Stern fan since 2008. I'm 30. I now cannot not... I now cannot not listen after Chris passed away and have listened to dozens and dozens of episodes in the past week or so. I struggle. Your show is helping me help myself. I'm doing much better, and if there weren't people like you and Bob and Drew, I would be having a much harder time staying abstinent. With heroes like Keith Richards and junkie artists and authors, etc., I wanted to live like them. I now want to live like the artists and creatives who have made it through addiction. I relate to that more, and it's a blessing. You create a space and platform for these people to share. Thank you for continuing this, Dave. Dave, thank you, and keep doing what you do. Jimmy. What a great review. Thanks, Jimmy. Aren't you impressed, Aurora, at this recovery hero I've become? I'm very proud of you. Really? You're doing a good job. You know, you don't, you don't ever, you don't seem nearly proud enough. I'll tell you that. As proud as you are, it's just not proud enough. There's never enough for you, Dave. We talked about that. It's never enough. You're right. But let's go. Thank you so much for coming on. Say goodbye to everybody. Say, you know, do the thing. Bye, Dopey Nathan. Thanks for having me. All right, and uh, and here comes uh, the very long Andy Dick. This is going to be the longest dopey in the history. Chris is rolling over in his grave. We love you. Goodbye. Thank you, Rory. So in a classic change of decision, we are not going to have Andy Dick. Instead, we are going to have my friend Sam. Hey, Sam. Hi, Dave. Hi, Dopey Nation. I'm sorry, Dopey Nation. Instead of having Aurora into Andy Dick. Next week, we are bracing ourselves, get ready, for the Andy Dick Thanksgiving Spectacular. Sounds good. You think so? Well, it better be good. Yeah. Now, I want to apologize to you, Sam, and to the Dopey Nation, because I was incredibly congested during that amazing interview with uh, Aurora. From what? From praying mantis feces in your attic no i just think i had uh i I have this allergy to um why would i be allergic to praying mantis feces in my attic i don't know didn't you have the outbreak there of praying mantises and i just would imagine they'd be pooping and that could be good for the sinuses no i think what i do is i react to the in a house with the heat i have these big convectors and they put out this fucking dry heat and uh, and it, it just affected me, and like you can hear me, you hear Roar give this heartfelt interview, and I'm just blowing my nose through it, <laughs> and it's disgusting. So I apologize. Maybe, yeah, maybe you need a humidifier. Maybe I, I just hate the fucking heater. I just hate it. Um, mm. But I guess it gets cold. Um. Anyway, so um, we're gonna put off Andy Dick till next week. It'll just yeah, it'll, that, What do you think? That's that's probably a good move. I think that um, how would you, how was the interview with Aurora? I think it was good. I think Aurora okay. really, really laid down some. Uh, if anybody uh, has parents who are addicts or 
are a parent themselves and they're suffering with addiction, I think Aurora's story uh, definitely uh, hits close to home. Uh, But before we end, I just wanted to take care of some dopey business. And I know that you've been uh, watching TV lately, and I wanted you to give uh, your report on your your weekly or monthly I Hate Vice report from Sam. Yeah, well, I'm going to start with I Hate Vice. All right, I good. think I hate I, I think I hate Vice more than I've ever hated it before. Um, well, all of a sudden, it, it really it, it hits close to home, doesn't it? it? It does, it does, and I've been part. Of, I joined much to you know uh, with constant nagging by you, Dave. I joined the uh, Dopey Nation Facebook page, good, and so I'm on there. And, and there was a post about uh, Frankie going out. Uh, being high, Frankie of Dope Signation. Frankie of Dope Signation. Sorry, yes, that's that's what I've been watching almost exclusively. I watch a lot of TV, but I've been honing in on that. It's really Dope funny. Signation. It's really funny because you hated Dope Signation even without the connection to Dopey. You just hated it production wise, and now here you are. You can't get enough of it. I can't get enough because it's a total train wreck. But I also, I have to be informed. If I want to speak about it, I have to be informed. And there's a lot of interest with the Dopey Nation in watching the show. There's people that like it. There's people that don't. Um, and, you know, I want to see what all the hoo-ha is about. So, so I've been watching it. And, um, and you know, it's really sad that, um, you know, I watched the finale. Yeah. Uh, yesterday uh-huh. and um I, and it was really sad because it was clear that frankie had been high frankie had been using probably for two or three episodes before um and you know he's in south florida where you and i spent time so you're saying so you're saying in the finale not the finale in the finale Frankie, Frankie's fucking relapse is finally revealed. But he's been using the whole season, right? Well, it's, it sure seems like that. When you go back, well, I don't know. I mean, he had energy. He had lust for, you know, the job. And certainly he took his, you know, job as being a host of Dope, dope Sick Nation. You know, seriously. So I don't think he was. I think he relapsed during the course of shooting the show. Um, and, and so I have a question because I was never the heroin user. So he, he makes it, he, he owns the fact that he had been taking Suboxone, um, because he had been having heroin cravings. Right. So I don't know what that means. So, I mean, that's still a full blown relapse, right? Suboxone, I'm sure that was not prescribed, right? You're not going to go to a doctor and say, look, I've been craving heroin. Can you prescribe me Suboxone? Does that happen? I mean, listen, I, I have no idea. I, 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 as far as I know, Suboxone is prescribed uh, in order to get off of heroin. You know, right. if you're addicted to heroin, you get Suboxone prescribed so you don't have to do heroin, so you won't get sick when you stop. I cannot imagine a doctor prescribing Suboxone for cravings, but I think that these stories are often very convoluted. Uh, cravings versus withdrawal. Like maybe he said he had cravings, but he was sick. Um, I never watched the show, but it just seems incredibly irresponsible to me to have, uh, you know, this, it's just such bullshit to me that vice can send these, you know, using junkies out to help junkies. And it's just like really another situation to, uh, 
I don't know, to, uh, I don't want to say glorify drug use because that's not what it is. It's to almost uh, fetishize drug addicts is what it is. Yeah, uh, sort of. You know, what I think is is that I don't think it is completely um, irresponsible for them, you know. To so it's not, this. what, it's not fetishizing? Is that the wrong term? Yeah, I don't know if it's fetishizing. I think it might be fetishizing uh, uh, hero, you know, they're they're putting these two folks, Allie and Frankie, in a sort of a savior role, right? Where I really imagine that their their role in their everyday life is they're sitting behind a desk and they're going to meetings and they're just you know they're going about their recovery and their sort of you know their regular lives. And along comes the show, and what I think is irresponsible is then they go out with the camera crew. I'm sure the camera crew was doing pre-production and they went out, you know, they were there for months. They found all the spots and then they send, they drag these hosts into these really dangerous dangerous situations. That's what I think happens because, you know, if, if Allie's in charge of scholarships, you know, she's not walking down the train tracks in West Palm beach, you know, looking for, Hey, you know, I got a bed for you. You know, she's not doing that. She's going to meetings and she's hearing word of mouth, you know, that and trying to set it up that way sort of passively. So they put them in a really active role. Well, do you know you don't know you do know that for a fact or you just assume that's the way scholarships are given out? I I'm just assuming that that's the way it was. I just know from my uh times in treatment knowing the people that were in charge of those, you know, they're administrators, right? You know, you Think about a renaissance. There was the Ernest Dickerson right. um, fellow. I think that was his name. Um, and, uh, yeah, they're just administrators, you know, and they, they call around and see if there's a bed available. So, um, but what I think, yeah, what's so was, was particularly horrible to me about this situation is that, you know, Vice knew about this guy. I know that the camera crew had to know and then the producers and executive producers and higher up the chain. And so this guy's, you know, he's clearly high. And so it's not really, they don't, I don't think they have criminal liability, but they definitely have a moral liability to like let him continue on. You know, I don't know what their reasoning was for letting him go on the show, uh, continue on for the few episodes uh, other than it just made good drama, it made good TV, it was solid entertainment. Well, not to mention guy. that the finale is his relapse. Like, that just sounds like a cliche uh, thing to, to, to really exploit this guy's problems to make it their show's finale. No? Yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. It, it sounds like exploitation to me, but what do yeah. I know? I'm just a humble motherfucking drug addict in recovery uh, wondering why a multi-million dollar conglomerate like Vice would steal the name of my little show. I don't know why they would either. I mean, there's a gazillion names. I know. Why I don't you call it Addict in Crisis? Anything. Or Florida right. Junkie. Right. Or Alligator Alley. <laughs> no? Ooh, that would have been good for Alley. Yeah. Yeah, well, like that should, AA. That should, just be her, that should just be her nickname anyway. It probably is. I doubt it. There's no, the there's no alligators in Delray. But let's 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 throw to my you friend. Know what there are, though, what there are manatees. They're manatees. Well, not in Delray. Yeah, yeah, I swam with manatees. Not in Delray. Yes, in Delray. Where did you swim with manatees in Delray? On the beach, or in the, in on the, in the ocean. Um, did I not? Uh, this guy that I was living with, Dave uh, Castle, who you might remember, yes. was floating on a raft, and he had his Walkman on. 
and this is about 50 feet off the shore and i see these two shadows coming up underneath him right and i thought for sure it was a shark so he had his walk he had the old school walkman floating on a raft getting with suntan oil on just getting fried and it was like a scene out of jaws so i literally jumped up and was going to go like rescue him pull him out of the shark's mouth but it turned out to be a mom mama manatee with her little baby and so I swam with them for like a hundred yards up the beach. Anyway, that's you my swam. Story. You swam with the manatees. That's a beautiful story. I, I did. I thought Dave was going to get eaten. I'm but so, it was yeah. the, the gentle sea cow. Yeah, the gentle sea cow is right. Now moving on, there is a very devoted listener named Kamal, and I've been bugging him to send in a voicemail, and he did it, and he sent in a super quickie. So I just want to play that before we go. Um, and what I call all of this, rather than playing the pretty substantial Andy Dick, which will be saved for the Andy Dick Thanksgiving Spectacular, is we're taking care of some dopey business. So um, here is uh, Kamal. What's up, Dopey Nation? Oh, what's up, Dave? Um, this is Kamal from D.C. Um, Dave's been trying to get me to do this voicemail for the past month or two. Just haven't had a chance to get around to it. Been busy hitting meetings and doing all this shit. Um, today I got 105 days clean. And, um, yeah, so it's definitely possible because at the end of my shit, I was homeless, living in my car at a Target parking lot because that parking lot had Wi-Fi. Didn't leave that parking lot because my car didn't have any brakes. So when I did have to drive, it was the most treacherous thing ever. Just going up and down, all around the DMV, trying to get drugs, makes a little bit of money, do all that stuff. And, um, yeah, the one thing that has always been consistent throughout the progression of my addiction has been dopey. And it's actually really cool because, like, I've been talking to Dave and Chris from damn near the jump, from the day I got put out of my mother's house to... <clears throat> Literally till now, Chris was actually the last person who I texted before I went into treatment. And he was really big in getting me in, talking me through it, just being there, being supportive throughout all my shit. Um, I don't really know what else Dave wants me to put in this thing. He told me to make it light. Right now, I just got just got over the rehab romance, and that shit went fucking terrible. So... On to the next one, because I don't learn. Trying to get 13 steps some way, somehow out here, but we'll see how that goes. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. Toodles. He almost said, stay strong, Dope Sick Nation. Did you hear that? Yeah. I love that. Thank you, Kamal. Kamal might be our only uh, black listener, which is amazing. uh, So thank you, Kamal. And if you're another African-American or black listener... Please let me know. Send me a line. Yeah, there were so many great things in Kamal's uh, voicemail that I, I can relate with. I have about 105 days. I, I'm not counting, but I have about that. And I got put out of my mama's house, too. And I had a re, uh, rehab romance and all that. So I can just definitely relate. And I think most listeners can completely relate to his story. Yeah, I love uh, the thirteenth step, and I love rehab romance, and I love Kamal. Kamal's always yeah. throwing me a line on Instagram, so it's good to hear from him. 
Yeah, good. Well, um, Dave, you know, since you're the um, interviewer extraordinaire and you're always doing the questions, yeah, I was wondering if you would be uh, receptive to answering a few of mine. Sure, I love to get interviewed. What do you got? Okay, well, it's it's a little game here. Okay, uh, I've got a dozen questions. Okay, for you. great. So it's really pretty simple. Yes. You ready? Yes. Okay, Scarface or The Godfather? The Godfather. Modi or Carrot Top? I'd say neither. Modi or Carrot Top? I'm gonna say neither. But David has to be one or the other. I'm not. I'm not neither Modi nor Carrot Top. <laughs> you know what? If okay. I have to pick, I'm gonna pick Modi. Yeah, you gotta go Modi. Why? You're deep, deeply connected to him. Okay. Next question. The twelve steps or the twelve traditions? Steps. Okay. Flamin' hot Cheetos or Funyuns? Neither. I'll go with Funyuns. Okay. Dayquil or Nyquil? Definitely Nyquil. Okay. Incense or peppermint? Incense. Anal beads or butt plug? Oh, man. Anal? I don't know. I guess anal beads. Mm, good choice. I think there's something sort of tickly about those. The butt plug just seems too final to yeah, me. Yeah, sort of locked in there. Yeah. All right. Puff the Magic Dragon or Daenerys Targaryen, the mother of all dragons? I like both. I'll go with Puff. You're going to go with Puff? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Here's a, here's, a, here's a gimme. Puerto Rico or the Dominican Republic? Oh, definitely the DR. Yeah. Patrick Ewing or Christoph Porzingis? Oh, Patrick. Okay. And for your final question, it's only 11. I thought it was 12. Dr. Bob or Dr. Drew? I'm going to go with Dr. Drew. Going Dr. Drew. Okay. Yeah. Well, Dr. Bob's dad, so... What's the 12th? I need a 12th question. Well, the 12th question was one or the other. I'm going to go with the other. Yeah, I think you always have to go to the other because there can be more than just one, I think. This was fun. Can you come up with another 12 questions really quickly? No. No? How long did it take you to come up with that? Oh, well, I wanted to be sort of specific uh, to you. Um, a, a little bit. Who do you like better, Patrick or Chris Stapps? Patrick. Who do you like better, Dr. Drew or Dr. Bob? Dr. Bob. Really, Dr. Because you hate Dr. Drew. I don't hate Dr. Drew. Doctor, I, my brother and Dr. Drew went to high school together. But that doesn't That's mean you I'm, like him. I've always liked him. He was always sort of like a cool guy. All right, just um, be, be quiet. Here, be, quiet, be quiet for a second. I'm going to do it to you what? now. I'm going to do some really controversial ones. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. Dr. Drew or Bob Forrest? You got to go quick. I'm going to go Bob Forrest. You don't like Bob Forrest, though. I like Bob. I think he's a gentle soul. And I think that I respond to that than sort of the strict cl- clinician, you know, the... the right. You know, you know, Dr. You know, Bob Forrest is coming back on Dopey soon. Well, good. I hope so. To talk about the wildfires that burned down his treatment center. Prayers, oh, all prayers really? and respect to Bob Forrest, by the way. Yeah, that's sad. Hopefully he gets funding and gets rebuilt. And- no, he said he's already back up and running. Oh, good. He's in fine shape. Uh, do you prefer the Red Hot Chili Peppers or Jane's Addiction? Jane's Addiction. Do you prefer... I don't care, man. I'm not playing this fucking game anymore. <laughs> Biscuits or grits? Biscuits. All right, the game is over. The night is done. 
Look out for the... I think. No, we both lost. Everybody lost. Everybody lost at this game. But um, maybe, yes, everybody lost. it. You think you won at this game? Uh, well, I know that biscuits are better than grits, so that much I know that I won. Okay. Okay. Um, I don't know. Some, some gr- cheese grits are really delicious, but a good biscuit, you know, it depends on the biscuits or the grits. It does. Um, let's say goodnight. Look next week. To the coming of the uh, Andy Dick Dopey Thanksgiving Spectacular. Can't wait. You excited? Yeah, I think it's going to be great. What are you going to do? What are you? Let's call it a potluck. What are you going to bring to the potluck of the Andy Dick Dopey Spectacular? I'm going to bring low expectations. That is the perfect thing to bring. So, I um, think so. Good night, Dopey Nation. Uh, thank you, Aurora. Thank you, Jeremy Turner. Thank you, Kamal. Thank you, Sam, so much. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dopey Nation. Do you want to do it? I mean, you always wanted to say stay strong and all that stuff, don't you? Uh, I'm going to say it, yeah. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. And toodles. Look at that. All right, so stay strong, Dopey Nation. And toodles for our beloved Chris, who is not with us anymore. If you're an addict and you're struggling. Oh, by the way, how are you doing with your own addiction problems, Sam? Mine? Yeah. Well, I think I said with uh, after Kamal's voice memo, yeah, I've got about a hundred and over a hundred days. Um, uh, my last relapse was with booze. With was with my my fine Russian friend Stolichnaya, um, that I went off the wagon for about six days with, and it took me literally about sixteen to recover from it. Uh, it was pretty nasty. I'm not getting any younger, and, and it's really uh, brutal. Um, so you feeling any cravings or anything? No, I'm not. And you don't go to meetings, though, right? I don't go to meetings, um, but I have a lot of sober people in my life that I talk to regularly on the rag, as it were, and um, and that is what's working for me now. You know. Well, that's good. I mean, listen. I, I always recommend uh, going to meetings because it, it puts, it puts doll as Chris would used to say, it puts dollars in the old spiritual bank account. Um, and I know that, like, for me, like, I haven't been to a meeting since last, uh, I don't know, I think last Monday? I don't know. It's been a little while since I've been to a meeting. I guess Monday, Monday morning. So five days ago I went to a meeting. But I don't know when I'm going to go to my next meeting. But I do know that... Um, Meetings help me, and uh, if you guys are struggling, you could always go to a meeting, or you could uh, drop us a line at Dopey, or go on to the Dopey Nation group. There's a million people that want to be supportive and help, and thank you to the Dopey Nation group, and thank you to fucking Cormac for keeping Reddit going and the SoundCloud page going, and thank you to, um, I don't know, who else should we thank? Anybody? Yeah, everybody. Yeah. Alan, your dad. Thanks, Dad, for listening. My dad is actually in Budapest right now. What's he doing in Budapest? He's just visiting. He's just visiting. He's he's touristing. And um, what the fuck? Stay strong, Dopey Nation. We're going to finish with this voicemail from uh, Jake. Second voicemail from Jake. And uh, good night, and toodles for Chris. 
What's up, Dave? What's up, Chris? Miss you, buddy. This is Jake from West Virginia checking in. I really appreciate it, Dave, that you've been able to keep the show going and get us an episode every week. It really means a lot, man. Um, I wanted to send in another song that was inspired by a particularly dopey period of my life. It's a little background. Uh, I used to do a lot of drugs from the time I was 18 to 22. Psychedelics were my drug of choice. DMT, mushrooms, acid, or any kind of research chemical that was being sold to us as LSD. Uh, Yeah, we ate. We took all of it. But we used to go up to Ocean City, busk on the boardwalk, and play music all day, tripping balls and just having the time of our life. And uh, playing arcade games and just riding the Ferris wheel and all that good shit. I guess a little funny story. Uh, One time when I was 18 or 19, we went to this music festival called All Good in West Virginia. And it's kind of like a wook slash hippie raver festival. Like Further and Dark Star and Lotus, Primus and Bass Nectar and all that weird shit. And it's pretty much an open-air drug market. And it was the first big festival that I've ever been to. And I was trying to get my hands on everything I could. And sure enough, I'd get my hands on quite a bit of LSD and some ecstasy and 10 different types of bud. And people are walking around with coolers making mixed drinks and selling pills. It's pretty much a drug fiend's paradise. And I got my hands on everything I could until... I blacked out probably about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And my friends tell me some point in my blackout, I took about six hits of LSD, and we proceeded to the concert where I fell asleep. I was awoken three hours later quite rudely, peeking on LSD while Further and Bob Weir was singing Ripple, a little Jerry tribute. And I stood up, and I puked my brains out, and everything was kaleidoscopes and fucking breathing and melting. And I stood there and danced in my puke and laughed all night and had one of the best nights of my life. But uh, this song's about after it was fun and when you kind of just want it to go away. Buzzing round my 
my head Like a swarm of mad mosquitoes Voices laughing at me just won't stop The sun's still shining down Through that tall magnolia tree though I'll start climbing, you can meet me at the top So be thankful we're still breathing Cause in a month or two you know we'll be leaving I tried to ride that buggy train But the brake man threw me off He said I'm wasting too much time and in the way Almost 22 And I still got the flashback blues Should be getting better any day So be thankful We're still breathing Cause in a month or two You know we'll be leaving My mind is somewhere in the freezer On a little piece of paper Lost it such a long, long time ago Thanks, man. Uh, much love to y'all. Toodles. I want to take a walk around the world Wonder would it do me any good Until I get some money in my pocket Then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood But I want to be good so bad want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had Take a ride up in the sky Watch this airplane just pass me by And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive But I want to be good so bad Want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Desires all I ever had, and my shadows get smaller and smaller, and it's time to where I stand. Shadows get smaller and smaller, and it's time to where I stand. And I wonder would they pay it any mind when I leave this busted city far behind. I'll take the high road, however far it winds Because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find And I wanna be good so bad Wanna be good so bad, so bad I wanna be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had Damn it, all these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had it's all I ever had And these suckers make me mad And I want to call my dad And it's all I ever had 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 
And they stuck with Mickey Man, and it's all I ever had, and I want to come again. And it's all I ever had, and it's all I ever had. And it's all I ever had.